Don't Fear the Wasteland, an apocalyptic broadcast. This is Sheriff, and I'm coming to you from the last hurrah, a farm in South Alabama, 50 miles west of Montgomery. It's pretty much a straight shot from that overrun town, and I'd suggest you avoid the capital if you can. Take the long way round. Unless you want to make friends with crawlers and ash, because that's all that's left. Of course, that's all that's left in most of the world. I mean, no, I haven't been to Europe since the world ended, but if I had to guess, I'd say it's ash and death over there, too. Or maybe they're all alive and thriving and have just left North America to their own devices. Maybe they're glad we're gone. Sometimes, I am, too. Because without the wasteland, I'd have never met Sama. We were married four years to the day after we met, after I found her in the library. Ginger performed the ceremony out back with the sun setting over the fields and the rest of the house in attendance. I wore my jeans and the nicest shirt I could find, and Sam did the same. After, we all ate cake made by Marge, who dipped into the larder especially for the occasion, and Frankie played guitar. Eva sang a song she wrote for us that she called End Times, and in all, the night was perfect. We didn't get a honeymoon, but every day with Sama was amazing, so it made up for it. Even when we fought, I knew without a doubt I loved her, and looked forward to the chance to make things right with her after the fight was over. What does a couple in the apocalypse fight about, you might wonder. Usually, it was laundry, or feeding table scraps to the dog. Simple end-of-the-world problems. Sometimes we get into it about my willingness to accept just about everyone at the last hurrah and how I put our family in jeopardy each time someone new wandered up. But I still stick by there not being enough people left in the world to be cruel. My own run-in with the priest and his lackeys wasn't such a distant memory that I didn't often think about it, but it hadn't made me cynical about inviting others in. I was overprotective of my tribe, sure, but I couldn't turn away those in need. Usually, those that wandered in showed their true colors quickly enough anyway. Now, not counting Corinthians, I'd only ever ran two people off from the last hurrah after they tried to stage a coup and Frankie had come to warn me. When no one took the traitor's sides, the two men had quickly left, especially after Tripp threatened to rearrange their teeth if they tried anything ever again. We weren't cruel. We sent them off with food and an invitation back if they could behave. I don't know what happened to them, but they never returned. Anyone else that tried to cause a problem usually simmered down after airing their grievances with me and working out a solution together. Usually it was about bed space or rations or chores. Simple enough stuff. The night I shot Ashley stuck with me for years. Still sticks with me now. That was the night Sheriff was born. I was no longer a simple farm girl with nothing to live for. Unlike me, Sheriff had a family to protect, a living situation to maintain, and a woman to love. I think Tripp saw it in me when he came running outside with his own rifle in the dead of the night, barefoot and shirtless, and saw me folding Ashley's arms over her chest. Without words, I picked up the shovel and dug her grave. My hands had new blisters by the time I was done. As the sun rose, we had her service, and that was that. But I was different afterwards. I had something to protect. Even Tripp started calling me sheriff, leaving behind his derogatory missy. 
I tell you all of this because I want you to believe that I'll do anything to protect the last hurrah. And when Sama left, I stuck to my promise. I should have gone with her, left the farm behind. But a promise is a promise, and even I was shocked I wouldn't break it for the bonds of marriage. It was a radio signal that did it. We'd been searching for one for years and had never heard anyone else in the wasteland other than Marge. Frankie spent countless hours listening and never had anything to show for it. Even I took shifts on the radio after Frankie showed me how it worked. And then one day, some seven years into the apocalypse, someone came through. At first, I took it for a government broadcast because it was repeating. Help us. It said, the man's voice plaintive and begging. Men, women, and children are stuck in the Alabama theater in Birmingham. We are low on supplies and trapped by crawlers. Can anyone hear this? Can you help us? I'm broadcasting from across the street in the Cox radio station, and I'm stuck here. Help us, please. Frankie pulled me into the office and let the broadcast play, looking at me with concern. There's no way we can help, I said. Birmingham is just as overrun as Montgomery. There's no safe way in or out. And besides, how did a colony pop up so suddenly after years of silence? It has to be a trap. But what if it's not? Sam asked me from the doorway. What if it's real? I never expected to lose her to the wasteland, which was dumb of me. The wasteland had taken everyone else. Why would it spare Samma? She took a vote, calling everyone on the farm in. Out of the dozen people present, not counting children under 18 who wouldn't be allowed to go, nine voted to help. Can't say I wasn't proud of how brave they were, or I thought they were. When it came to deciding who would go, only three volunteered to accompany Sama. It was then I forbade anyone leaving, taking on the mantle of sheriff and shutting down this perilous fool's errand. So Sam left in the middle of the night with three of my strongest, and I couldn't go after her. Tripp wanted to, but I told him no. She'd made her choice. She'd return, or she wouldn't. I buried my feelings and ignored the emptiness of my bed. A month passed. The moon hit its face, and... That's when I knew she was gone. Frankie says my voice will bring her back, just like the other voice took her. But I ain't ever met anything this side of life that could raise the dead. Except crawlers, of course. And if Sama ain't dead, or worse, then a crawler is what she is, and my voice won't bring her back. If you're out there, honey, come back. Please come back. But you're probably not. So here's the goodbye you were owed the day you snuck away. You ain't out of my memory yet, and likely you won't ever be. I hope whatever got you made it quick and painless. I made Frankie a promise. I'd talk into the radio until Sama came back. I'm not ready to accept that maybe that can mean I'll be talking forever. A promise isn't something I make lightly, not these days. So here I am talking.
Last you heard me ramble, I was back from seeing my ma. For long months after that, there was nothing. Tripp and Eva went on a two-day excursion for more cows and chickens from other abandoned farms. Sam and I built a bonfire in the pasture, and all the kids joined us in roasting long-style marshmallows that I'd snagged on the last Birchville adventure. In the end times, your stomach either handles sour food or you starve. Those marshmallows were heaven, sticky and sweet. Afterwards, Sam sang while Frankie plucked guitar strings and I listened, rapt attention on my gal, the best thing to ever come out of the wasteland. And now she's gone. Anyways. More chickens meant more eggs, more cows, more milk. We got lucky and one of the new cows was pregnant. She dropped a calf without incident at the end of autumn when the air had the taste of winter in it, making me wonder if we'd see snow that year. Tripp had cleaned out the tractor's lines a few years back and managed the machine. He threshed the overgrown fields, giving us hay for the winter. We spent time deep cleaning the stables and replacing dried-out weather sill around the house windows and other things that needed doing every year. The colder weather made Sam asleep even closer to me, something I didn't mind, because the nightmares tended to recede when she was near. I didn't talk about them much, but I had super vivid and relentless nightmares before Sam slept next to me. In them, I was trapped alone in my old house. Everyone had gone except Ma, who swung from the rafters, jaw slack, dead eyes locked on me. I couldn't move as she judged me for leaving her hanging. We'd abandoned her, Daddy and I, and I paid for it in nightmares that left my sheets damp with sweat and my cheeks wet with tears. The first time I had that nightmare with Sam next to me, I kicked out and woke her. She gathered me into her arms and whispered nonsense until I quieted. I rarely had the nightmares again while she was next to me. I figured, after visiting my own home and seeing Ma laid to rest, the nightmares would be gone for good. But now that Sam has left, they're back again. And now Sam swings beside Ma. Don't Fear the Wasteland is a story-driven podcast by Joey Hall, chronicling Sheriff's journey in the apocalypse and broadcast as a radio show from the last hurrah in Alabama. It's an oasis for survivors in the blasted remains of the old world, or Earth as we know it now. To learn more about the wasteland where Sheriff spends her days, check out don'tfearthewasteland.com and joeyhall.com. Thanks for listening.